if I get to that point where I would like, I feel like I'm needing to take down more properties, I'll, I'll, I'll probably be doing a fund. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent as always. How about you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm a little tired. I got I got in uh, pretty early this morning. Had a, had a had a flight that uh, took off really early, so I was you know had to get up. I'm not a I'm not like this uh, miracle morning hell Alrod wake up at four o'clock kind of guy. I usually wake up around you know six or so. Um, so I've been waking up at like five or, or before in this morning, I woke up at, at four and I don't go to bed any earlier. So, you know, Hey, but we'll be, we'll be good. Just, uh, just drink some extra water and do some more pushups. There you go. Day. Keep me awake. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I did, I, I did a little bit of traveling, uh, Matt, and uh, we got some things to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about it right before we hit record and very interesting stuff here. So uh, tell us where you went. Yeah. So I went to, um, I went to Florida and I went to Tennessee. Um, and when I was traveling, I met with some very interesting people, very well uh, accomplished real estate investors, or actually a well, very well accomplished salesperson. Um, and I really got some great information uh from both of them but this uh this real estate investor he's raised you know nearly 500 million dollars private equity um currently he's got about a half a million dollar portfolio uh they've sold some and and uh and he's just really opened my eyes to some of the things that a lot of people are probably doing wrong uh, or maybe should be careful about and really made me think about how i'm doing things in my business and what'd you learn from him? So, you know, what, 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 Matt, what do most syndicators do? Like I, I got a, I got a deal, right. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to present it to you. You're my, you're my potential investor. You and I have a relationship. You're my potential investor. What am I going to, what am I going to show you? Well, you're going to have uh, you know, a nice PowerPoint with all the numbers and the pro forma and explain what the projected returns are and the timeline of events and, and all that stuff and what the risks are. And, uh, but you kind of focus on the, what the rewards are and minimum investment, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, so, so this guy's point that he told me, he doesn't do really any of that, by the way. Hmm. Okay. He doesn't, he doesn't show any of that stuff to his investors. He focuses on the opportunity focuses on, what they're going to do, what their business plan is, focuses on the company themselves, why he and his company are strong uh, people to be investing with and strong company to invest with, what their track record is, focuses on the market, what's going on in the market and in the industry, but he doesn't focus on the numbers at all, period. Doesn't even show numbers. So, so he doesn't like explain the IRR it projected or- uh... No. Or like how no. long he's going to hold the property or? No, none of that. But none does he even that. talk about specific properties? 
Uh, you know, quite frankly, probably, probably not because he is doing funds. Okay. Right. So, so he probably doesn't even talk about specific, or I know he doesn't talk about specific properties because he's doing funds, uh, but he does talk about the property type that they're looking for, what they're expecting and shows previous properties that they've been doing. Um, so that you get an idea, no, but this same thing could be applicable to a proper a specific property if you're not doing a fund and in that case yes you would talk about the property but you're not going to talk about the numbers of the property okay and this is a regulation a fund or something else yeah 506c yeah yeah and, and this would be applicable again to 506b or any type of offering so when i was talking to him I, I was like, wow, this is this is really cool. You're not showing these pro formas. It's always bothered me to show pro forma because what a pro forma is is me guessing, right? And I'm just I'm trying to be very educated about my mm -hmm. guess, right? I'm I'm going through my numbers. I'm being very careful. Um, I'm I'm being conservative on my projections or what I think is really conservative. You know, not showing big rent increases, not showing organic growth like five percent or anything like that. So I'm not I'm trying to be really, really reasonable and not show these big, big numbers that, you know, puff, puff it up. Right. But it's always still bothered me because it's still a pro forma, right? I'm forward looking. I'm, I'm showing my investors the future when I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And so it's always like, man, I feel like I'm, showing this future. And yet I don't know, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know if a pandemic is going to hit. I don't know if a massive recession is going to, I don't know if world war three is going to hit, but yet I'm showing you what it's going to look five years out or 10 years out from today. How do I do that? And really feel good about it. Yeah. You don't have a crystal ball as far as I know. Uh, so you're just basing this based on your experience and uh, what your expectations are, but not necessarily on how things will actually be because you, if no one knows what the future holds. Yep. Yep. So, so I, I'm like, look, this is, um, this is mind blowing, but what, how do I do it? Because every other, every other, this is what everybody does. Everybody shows numbers. And he mm -hmm. says, no, they don't. You think they do because of the small world you live in, but they don't. He says, name one REIT that's showing you all their pro forma numbers. Name, name one, name the stocks. What are the stocks that are showing you their projections, right? You can look at their history, but you can't look at the future because they don't show you the future, right? And so he, like the small little world that you play in maybe is doing that, but they shouldn't be doing it. And he says, basically you're sitting here. Yeah. You've got these disclosures, but when you do your webinar, Matt, like, like you said, I'm going to show you this nice, beautiful PowerPoint and it's going to have these numbers on there. And I'm going to spend 10 minutes talking about the numbers and why they're awesome and why we're going to do this and this and this. And I'm going to say, you, you know, these are projections that are not guaranteed, but then I'm going to spend, you know, all this time on these numbers, 10, 10 minutes. And I got this beautiful presentation. And then I'm going to assume 
that if everything goes wrong, my disclosures are somehow held up. But you guarantee, I guarantee it in our litigious nation that if an attorney, if, a, if an investor wanted to sue, right, you opened yourself up to a, a beautiful lawsuit because you showed them this beautiful PowerPoint, right? And that's what they were looking at. You glazed over the disclosures. You didn't spend 10 minutes on the disclosure, one minute on the numbers. You, you spent 10 minutes on the number and maybe one minute on the disclosures, right? And so that's, that's his point is, look, you're, you're presenting these beautiful numbers. You're showing them. I mean, that's, that, that's the beauty of your PowerPoint. And now you're assuming that you're, you know, you're, you're just fine. So you're basically you're handing somebody a loaded gun, <laughs> pointing it at yourself and saying, here, now take this. Um, so if I was to start up a fund like this, uh, how would I be able to convince investors to invest with me? Yeah, well, look, you have to you have to have a good strong business plan. What's your business plan? How are you going to achieve that? Okay, and what's the track record of your company? Um, you, you talk about the the main points we talk about. You know, when when I go to do my presentation, I hit on I hit on the market, I hit on our company, and I hit on our business plan, and then I hit on the numbers. So basically, you're just leaving one portion out of it. Right? You're, you're leaving those numbers out, which you may go, wow, that, that's, that's crazy. You shouldn't, you should, how can you do that? But I really think you need to, because again, you're, you're showing something to people that you just can't, you can't predict and you can't, I mean, you can control it to an extent, but you can't control certain things of that. So, you know, I, I, again, you're opening yourself up to losses. So you, you can show pre past performance and you say, well, what if I don't have any track record? Well, then should you be raising money? Probably not. If you don't have any track record, you probably shouldn't be raising money or partner with people that do have a track record. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, now you got a track record. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I guess that's a good point with REITs and, and other sort of stocks. Your main things that you see is uh, the quarterly financials that they disclose. And so yeah. they might have some projections for the future, but really it's the details are like, here's how we did this past quarter or past year or whatever. And then you invest based on, you know, your own guess of like, oh, there's, here's what they've done in the past. I'm going to guess they're probably going to do more of the same in the future. Yeah, these companies are not future forecasting, like, you know, like these syndicators are. So, yeah. And, and that's another good point. He talked about that too, is of be careful how much financial information you send out. Not that you want to hide financial information. You don't, but you also want financial information that's been actually professionally looked over by your CPA. So it's okay to send out monthly or quarterly, but make sure it's actually being audited um, maybe not a full, you know, audit by a third party, but at least looked at by your CPA. So what he does is he sends out quarterly rough numbers and he makes sure they understand what it is. And he's not showing the whole thing. He's showing the gross revenue. He's showing the expenses and the NOI. And so he's showing basically three numbers. And then on an annual basis, then he's showing his annual numbers that have been 
processed and looked over by their CPA and, and, uh, and then of course the K ones. So you gotta be careful because as you said, like, look, you're sending these reports, you, you know, you're sending accrual basis reports and you got cash basis reports, you got your K one and they all, none of them line up with each other if they haven't been audited and gone through by your CPA. And if you got very analytical type investor that's looking at it, they're going to get confused potentially and wonder what's going on and what you're hiding from them or, or why your books are wrong. And so I don't think that's probably as big of a deal as the first point about not showing your numbers, but you know, we got to, you, you want to be careful. Hey, real quick. I just want to let you know about the multifamily challenge that we got going on. It's a five day multifamily challenge on how to get an offer and, uh, quickly, right? So we're going to teach you in five days, five one-hour sessions. We're going to go through the steps and the process to get there. So go to mfichallenge.com, mfichallenge.com. You can sign up. It's free. If you want the VIP, there's a bunch of things that we'll give away too. You got to, you, gotta, you do have to pay for that, but hey, it's going to be well worth it. Again, you can get in for free. We're going to teach you how to get that offer across the table, get the LOI in uh, all the steps. So Ellis Hammond and I, Ellis was episode 316. Check, check out his episode. And we're going to be doing this next week. So sign up now at mfichallenge.com, mfichallenge.com and get in there. We're, uh, we're doing it next week and it's going to be awesome. So hope to see you there. Here's one of the reasons why you want to be careful too. It protects you, Matt, but it also protects your other investors, right? So if you get sued, and especially if you lose, it, everybody loses, right? But if you're doing things as tight and as neat as possible and not opening yourself up for lawsuits, everybody wins. So I want to protect my investors' money. First and foremost, how do I do that? I, I run a tight ship. I don't overpromise. I don't show, I don't promise, right? That's one of the big words not to say, promise or guarantee. Those things should not be anywhere near what you're saying. And when you're opening up a pro forma to your investors, it kind of looks like a promise or a guarantee. It feels like a promise, certainly. Uh, you know, you you know, the investors are really just expecting like, okay, this is what you say you think you can do. So they're expecting you to do that or better. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you can still show, you can still talk about your splits, 70, 30 split. You can still say you got a seven IRR or sorry, uh, um, uh, seven pref or a six pref or whatever that is. Um, you could still talk, you can still mention your asset management fee. You can still mention your acquisition fee. Uh, cause those are real fees. Uh, and that that's really the splits. You can still have an IRR hurdle, even if you want. So you could even say if, Hey, if we hit a 14 IRR, we go down to a 50, 50 split. That's okay to do because you're not saying we're going to hit a 15 IRR. Um, you're saying if we do hit a 15 IRR, we go to this, you can still have buyout clauses. Okay. You can still do all kinds of stuff, but you you're not showing projected returns. The other thing, Matt, that he did, that he does, is no more of this five-year hold stuff. We're going to sell when we sell. We might keep this for 25 years. 
Okay. We're going to refinance when we refinance. We're going to sell when we sell. And what that allows is us to not put ourselves in a trap, right? There's talk right now about a 1031 exchange going away. There's talk right now about potentially getting rid of long-term capital gains tax. So it'll be short-term capital gains or ordinary income. Well, if those two things go away, one scenario would be that not many people want to sell their properties. And so there's not much inventory, but there's a ton of demand. So prices go up, you know, so, but if you, you might be stuck then to sell though, if you're, if that's your business plan. So now you got to sell and you can't find a new property to buy because there's no inventory. Nobody else is selling their properties because they don't have anything to buy. So now you're, now you are the one that loses because you have to sell and you can't buy. Well, there's just a lot more flexibility. Uh, you know, maybe yeah. you get a, an amazing price to sell at in three years and you do that, or, or maybe you hold for 25 years, like you say. Right. But you, right. you can decide. And then you have buyout provisions, right? So if somebody doesn't want to hold for that long, you can have a five or a 10 or a seven year, whatever you want to set up a buyout provision. And uh, how he does is, is uh, his bio provision is they get a third party appraisal and that's the value of the buyout. And then they allow their investors that want to get bought out to get bought out. And they usually time it with the, with the refinance if they can, right. Or they sell if they need to, but um, you got a buyout provision at a set period of time. It could they, even be a flexible buyout period too. It could be, we have a buyout period between years five and 10. So it could be a flexible buyout period. It doesn't have to be an exact date. And with that buyout period, is there also a, a buy-in uh, opportunity as well? So if investors want to double in, for example, or? or uh, probably have- not, unless the only way an investor could buy in, buy in more is if one of the other investors wants to get bought mm-hmm. out and it opens up opportunity, Right. So, so yeah, that, that, that's really the only way. Mm-hmm. So it allows you as the, as the GP to buy that and allows other, um, allows other LPs to buy in, into those shares. Yeah. And it, it allows outside investors too, if nobody, yeah, that's, that's the power of having, or that's, that's the value of having a really good network um, of investors is let's just say you go in the buyout period and you get, you know, you get $5 million worth of equity that wants to get bought out. Maybe you don't have that $5 million ready to, to go yourself. Maybe your LPs don't even have that ready to go. You bring that out to your other network and sell the $5 million to the rest of your network. So. So what would it take to start one of these funds versus starting a syndication? Is it the same sort of level of uh, yeah, involvement? And, uh, well, well, I want to make sure people don't assume that you need to do this with the fund. This could be done with a single property too. Hmm. You could, you could, the exact same thing that we're talking about, you should be doing with your single properties. Um, so, so yeah, you, but to start a fund, if you're going to start a fund, it's, it's a little more, a little more, but yeah, it's essentially the same uh, with the fund. I would say it takes a little bit more trust because they don't get to see the property. Right. So if I'm doing it on direct property that I already have under contract, they, they get to see it. They can see what the current rents are at. They can, they can look at the market and projections and, and all that kind of stuff. You can, you can show them all that. Like you could, 
right with my property, even though I'm not going to show a pro forma, I can show rents, rent comps in the area. I can pop up a co-star report. I can, you know, I can still do stuff like that. I can show properties, all the properties within, you know, two miles or whatever it is. You know, again, I would be careful that you say we're going to be able to get these rents, but I would be able to show them, look, here's the market. This is where rents are currently telling very factual and not assuming, of course, that you're going to get there. But that way they can see that. Now, with a fund, you can kind of do that, but it's going to be a little more vague. It's going to be, these are the markets we're looking in. These are the sub-markets we're looking in. You can show them the growth period and what's going on and all that kind of stuff within the market or markets, but you don't have the properties specifically, so you can't talk about the property. So it just takes a little bit more trust from your investors to say, okay, I like the markets. I like the company. I like the business plan. I like that they're doing these value adds and I think they can execute it. And I trust that they're going to find the right properties. How can investors find a, an invest or a fund to invest in and, and be confident that it's not some Ponzi scheme or something else? Relationships, man. It's just, you got to build relationships with the right people. And so it's all about meeting people. It's all about getting to know them, talking with them, having lunch with them, you know, that type of stuff. And, and, um, and doing your, doing your due diligence uh, with them. Uh, we had Jeremy roll on recently and uh, you know, he talks about it. I've had other people on that have talked about it that are passive investors or that, that uh, are even active investors that talk about different strategies. Um, if you go onto my website um, I've got, so I've got an article that, that talks about questions to ask syndicators. Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, just making sure you're asking the right questions and getting to know them is going to be huge um, to protecting yourself. And your website is venturedproperties.com. Yeah. And look, I mean, you want to make sure the person you're dealing with is honest and ethical and that you feel like they're going to do the right thing. And, you know, part of that's gut. Um, and, and the, uh, the other part is just your due diligence on them and their track record and, um, you know, referrals and that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can, of course, never be perfect. Ponzi schemes happen. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. they just do. And they'll continue to happen, unfortunately. Um, but the more due diligence you do, the better chance you're going to, um, you better chance you're going to not get caught up in one. That's fair. So, yeah. I, I, um, I also think, <laughs> so, so, so this guy says, um, look, think about, think about you're putting these numbers out there. That's a very risky thing to do. And so the syndicator is taking a big risk yet. They're telling you at the same breath, they're very conservative, which is it. Hmm. That's a, that's a pickle right there. Yeah. So, so yeah, like I said, pretty, pretty eye-opening. Um, but those that are listening that are either passive or active, um, you know, think about it. My passive investors that are listening to this, don't expect numbers um, from me moving forward because I want to make sure I'm doing everything right. And I feel like it's protecting their investment.
if, if, you know, I, I want to run a tight ship and if I run a tight ship, it's going to help protect everybody. Yeah. I think your investors can kind of expect more of the same from you in, in regards to like returns and such like that. Cause you have that certain level of standard that they're accustomed to you, you know, aiming for, you know, it, and that's a good point, right? There's let's, let's read between the lines, right? You can see track record. You can understand where things have been and where the mindset of the investor is. And it would be pretty easy if you're like, Hey, well, you know, I, I already know what Todd's gonna, what he expects. And, but I'm also wondering, you know, if I invest with this other company that that doesn't show, how do I figure that out? Well, again, find out what they've been doing, what their history is and ask them, do you expect to be able to continue to maintain those types of numbers? Is that kind of how you're analyzing your deals? And they might not say, yes, we're going to achieve those numbers, but I would tell somebody, well, we, we uh, have hit those returns in the past and our goal is to try to continue to, to hit good returns. So. Good. All right. Is there anything else uh, you think our listeners should know about uh, these funds? It's cool stuff, really. Yeah, it, it is. It's exciting. And, and I, I'm not ready to do a fund yet. And it's not that I'm not ready to do one. Uh, I don't feel the market is in the, in the best position for me to do a fund. I'm not finding enough deals quick enough for a fund, in my opinion, to make a lot of sense. Um, but if I get to that point where I would like, I feel like I'm needing to take down more properties, I'll, I'll, I'll probably be doing a fund. So I'm not there yet. But I think in the future, I will end up doing um, some funds. I think, I think they're a great way to leverage. Um, they're a great way to get into properties. It helps you a lot with your financing um, to line up financing because you've already got some money into them. So usually in a fund, you, when you start it, let's say we're doing a, a $50 million fund we wouldn't necessarily collect all the money up front, but we would collect some of that money. We, we might collect 50% of that money. So we've got already, let's call it $25 million. So when we go to actually get our loan, we can show the 25 million already. It's in our account where we look really strong. It just really makes us a better investor um, in the eyes of, of everybody involved, the seller, the lenders, the brokers, you know, so it makes us look really strong. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. If you're trying to take down several good deals all at the same time and it's like a thousand units or something like that, you know, that's, that's uh, you need to bring the big guns for it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Cool, Matt. Well, I, I don't have anything else. Um, I think, you know, we've been doing this apartment series and this was a little bit different today, but I, I really think it still uh, jives with what we've been doing. I think next week we're going to talk about some, some more about syndications. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about strategy and how do we, as an, as a general partner, how do we do these syndications, uh, dive more into detail of what these syndications are and, um, and how do we find some investors for them? Sounds good. Cool. See you, Matt. Yep. Bye. Oh, wait. Oh, Hey, Matt. Yes. Make every day a Saturday. <laughs> you too.
Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.